Well, it's always uh, lovely to go away, and uh, last Sunday we were ministering at a town called Hogsback in a church, I think there were 25 people. It was just such a joy and a privilege to Milan to lead worship and to uh, just uh, preach and, and, and to that community. And then we went to the Reet River Vineyard Retreat at, uh, at Reet River. And we just had a, had a wonderful time, wonderful three or four days of sharing stories, of relaxing, of being encouraged. And uh, it's just amazing to hear each person's story. Uh, every evening, what they did was they asked three people to, three people to share their stories. And it's just amazing to see the joy, the pain, the, how God works in people's hearts. And, and we, I was really encouraged by uh, our time. But it's always good to be home. It's always good to be in your own bed and, and back home. This, this morning, uh, what's on my heart is the, is the gospel, is the good news. If I look at the community that gathers here on a Sunday... Some of us have been gathering here for 20, 30, 40 years nearly. I think we're coming up for, in 2021 20, or 22, we're coming up for 50 years as a fellowship. And so we walk with Jesus, and it's, and it's lovely. And we, today I want to look at the centrality of the gospel. I want to look at the heart of the gospel, and I want to look at the power of the gospel. Here is Galatians chapter 2, reading from verse 11. Cephas came to Antioch. I opposed him because he stood condemned. Then came from James. He was eating with the Gentiles. What's, what's wrong with the microphone? For certain men came from James. He was, eating with, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel... I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a gentle, a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, 
Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law. So that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if, it, for if righteousness were through the law, then God died, then Jesus died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started off in the spirit and you're ending off in the flesh. So the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is verse 15 and verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not just justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That is a really a complete reversal of normal practices in life. If you look at religion, if you look at most of the world religions, it, it's based on appeasing an angry God. You've got to jump through a whole lot of hoops to get there. There's a whole lot of laws. There's a whole lot of ceremonial laws. And yet Paul says, you are put right with God. Not through the works of the law. Not through those observances. You are put right with God. Through faith in Jesus, through believing Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. And, and Paul is, uh, in writing this letter to the Galatians, he's dealing with a group of, of Jewish believers called the circumcision group or the circumcision teachers. They believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They believe that he was the Son of God. They believed he died on the cross. However, they also said that you had to observe the law, you had to observe the Mosaic Code, you had to be circumcised, you had to eat the dietary laws, and then you would be saved. What it really is, it's a battle of orders. Gresha Machin said this, the essential point and issue between Paul and the circumcision group Concerned an order of three steps. The teachers, the circumcision group, what did they believe? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep the law of God as best you can and you will be saved. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then at that moment, at that moment, as you believe on Jesus, you are saved. Then you proceed to keep the law. You proceed to please God in everything that you do as you've encountered Jesus. As you and I know that we are saved. It's the love of Christ that compels us. It's the love of Christ that causes us to, to move in grace and mercy and not in judgment and condemnation and, and, and criticism. So there's a particular order. Do you obey? As you look at your obedience and my obedience, do you obey to be, sa- to be saved? Or do you get saved and then do you obey? Do you obey? So you will be loved. So I will be loved. Do I do all the stuff I do because I, I want to be loved? Or, do, or I, do I realize that I am already loved and accepted and therefore I obey? I obey. These are completely different planets in which we operate in. And I think it's quite hard if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. It's so easy to fall back into rules and regulations and laws and do's and don'ts and forget the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is that you and I need a savior. And Jesus came to save us. Inside both these orders is obedience. But they look very different. If you obey God, think of how your obedience to God today. If you obey God in order to get acceptance, then you're dead in the water. Let me tell you, you are dead in the water. Because you will always be worried have I done enough? Did I get up early enough this morning and pray? Did I read, I only read three verses in my quiet time. Well, I didn't have a quiet time. And you're going to be anxious. Why are you giving to the poor? Are you, are you obeying to get God to give you something? And it's quite... It's quite challenging because God rewards those who, who, who diligently seek Him. Those, God rewards us when we, when we spend time in Him. But it's the order that's important. Am I doing all the stuff that I do because I've encountered Jesus? And I'm so in love with Him. And I'm so blessed by Him. And, and I, it's all by grace. And I, and I didn't deserve it. And it's just so wonderful that now everything I do, I want to please Him. Everything I want to do, I want to please Him. If your obedience is is burdensome, if it's joyless, then maybe that's how we're operating, not from from the joy, not from the knowing that we save. We're operating from from trying trying to do enough, to get enough brownie points with God. I want you to go away today with one, with a whole lot of things, but, but the one thing I want you to go with, know today you are loved. That Jesus came and he died for you. That he came to set you free. He came to give you life. Know today that if you obey, 
And when you obey, it's because you've already gotten everything. What are some of the things that you have gotten in Jesus? Well, you've gotten love. You've gotten intimacy. You've gotten a guaranteed future in Jesus. You've gotten gotten acceptance. You're accepted. I'm accepted. So our motivation, are you motivated today? Am I motivated by the love of Jesus? Or am I doing a job? Or am I doing, I have to come to church on a Sunday. Because I'm the pastor. I have to come to church. I haven't been for a few weeks. I I must come. Many people in the church are kind of often like the circumcision group. Probably no, no, nobody here, I'm sure. Because we, we know that we loved. We are know that we are loved. We know the grace of God has, has imploded and exploded in our hearts and our, in, our, in our lives. And so... The gospel is that when you became a Christian and when you put your faith in Christ, what happened? You were crucified with Him. You were raised with Him. You were united with Him. How does He see you? He sees you free from condemnation. As if you had died on the cross yourself. If you and I had died on the cross, that's what we should have done. We should have died on the cross ourselves. But He died for us. You are in Him. Know that today. Know that. My, heart, my prayer is that these words that we know and we've, we've heard preached week in and week out, year in and year out, and we know a lot of them in our head, I want it to be a hard thing. It needs to drop that 18 inches from my head to my heart. Because then, when somebody is nasty to me, I can respond in love. I can respond with life. I can respond with Jesus. Because I know that I needed a Savior. I know at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. We, are all, we all come to the cross sinners, and we walk away from the cross saved. Listen to this. God has treated Jesus Christ on the cross as if he had done everything you've done. He now treats you as if you have done everything he has done. All the honor, all the glory that he deserves get pinned, the medals get pinned on your chest, on my chest. Isn't that exciting? That we take the great exchange. This is the great exchange. That we get His righteousness. He takes our sin. We get His riches. He takes our poverty. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And we need to be excited by that today. I need to be excited by that today. I need to be excited by that tomorrow when I wake up. That when I go off to, when, when, and, and you, when you go off to the office and, and, and the business situations that you face, you face or the teaching that you're doing or whatever you're doing, that, that, the, that the gospel is in your heart. That you experience the good news. We think of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a, was a great monk. He was a good man. 
who tried to live a good life by the law of God. But in his, in his, in his heart, he knew that he didn't love God with, with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. He knew he didn't love his neighbor as himself. And when he came to Romans, and he, and he was reading Romans, and particularly Romans 1, 16 and 17, which says, I'm, I'm not ashamed, ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of, of God unto salvation. A righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. The, 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 we are saved. We are justified by faith, not by our works. He heard that word righteousness. And uh, he realized that he was a sinner. He tried to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. But when he came to the word of the righteousness of God, uh, for him it meant justice. Whereby God punishes the unjust. And that wasn't a very comforting thought to him because he knew he was unjust. He knew that he was a sinner. And night after that, night and day, he pondered it. Then he saw the righteousness of God. Is that righteousness by which through sheer grace and, mo- and mercy God gives us? So I'm looking today at the righteous people of God. There's Alan the righteous. That's true. That's what scripture says about you. There's Jane the holy. Why? Not because of anything they've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done. And when we understand that, when we understand the the heart of the gospel, that's when we can operate from that. When I wake up in the morning and I wake up and realize I'm righteous, I'm holy, I am forgiven, that I'm loved, that I'm accepted. That's just such a wonderful thing. It means I can go into the world with joy. I can go and be the gospel. I can go and be Jesus to the people because I have Christ living in us. Have you broken through? Get back to the story of, uh, of Paul. How does this working out the gospel work in your life? Let's have a look at Paul. At least at, at Peter. The Jews had practiced ceremonial law for centuries. At Mount Sinai, Moses constituted the people of God and gave them the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, you know, the, the, know the books. And when it comes to worship and when it comes to Old Testament worship, there were, before you came to worship, there were a few things that had to happen. The first thing, you had to be, you had to be ceremonially clean. There was the ceremonial law. You couldn't eat certain books. David uh, Tempeloff will be able to tell me all those, all those, all the, all the laws and the regulations. I know he 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 loves the uh, the, the the law and reading the law. They couldn't eat certain foods. They couldn't wear certain clothing. Touch certain things. Touch. They couldn't touch a dead person. If they did, they would have to go through a cleansing process and cleanse, them, cleanse themselves before they came to the temple. 
And secondly, there was sacrifices had to be made. Animals were sacrificed. Blood had to be, had to be spilt in order to atone for their sin. So every time they went to worship, these things had to take place. They realized that their sin needed to be atoned for every time they came to worship. And now Jesus comes along. And he says, you don't need the animal sacrifices anymore. Because they were all pointing to me. He became the one perfect sacrifice for you and I. He doesn't have to repeat it year in and year out for, 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 forever and ever. It's done once and for all. He did, it on, he did it on the cross. He took your sin. He made the sacrifice for us. And he also... In the ceremonial laws, he also said, only in me can you be clean and acceptable. It must have been very difficult for the, the Jews of that time when uh, Peter was, would have been eating with the Gentiles. And then uh, the circumcision group came. And he withdrew himself from them. And Paul had to come and rebuke Peter. If Paul came to you, to, came into this fellowship today, what would he say to you and I? Would he say to uh, you and I, as he said to, to Paul, you know, you're, you're being a hypocrite. There's no racial division now. He appealed to their hearts. What did he say? He tells Peter that he isn't living in line with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel, that we are saved by grace and and, and, and by faith alone. The gospel is Jesus died for you. He died for you, Peter. Because he loves you. He dies for you, John. Because he loves you and he brings life to your body. The gospel brings life to your body. There's a, there's a great depth and the height and the breadth of, of, of his love for us. So what Paul is saying to, to Peter here, you've forgotten the gospel, you've forgotten what the kingdom of God is about. The question I want to ask you, and just you need to think about this, is your life, in your life, are you living according to the gospel? Is the way you spend your money in line with the gospel? Is your sexuality in line with the gospel? Are your relationships and your family in line with the gospel? How's your attitude to the poor? Is it in line with the gospel? How do you deal with the, with the past? Has it been dealt with at the cross? Is your past death, dead, buried, and now you're risen into new life? Are you living the gospel in your life? Are you living with Jesus in you?
The Bible is full of rules and regulations. And Paul could have actually said to, um, to Peter, you know, there's some rules about racism and he could have drawn on that. But he goes to his heart. I want, your, I want my heart to be pure before God. And the only way that that, that happens is when, as I'm born again, Jesus gives me a heart of flesh. He takes away this heart of stone and he gives me a heart of flesh. And you have a great heart. You are a great-hearted people. You are a generous people. You are a people of, of grace and mercy. And so... You are a justified people. Just as, as if you had never sinned. If you accepted Jesus and your, as your Lord and as your Savior. You know, one of our core values, one of the things that we need more than anything else, is we need to have a sense that we are worthy, that we matter. And we do. And where do we get that from? We get that from the cross. We get that from Jesus. You matter to him. You matter. He thinks you wonderful. He went so far to die on the cross for you and me. And we struggle with this thing. We, we want to be worthy and, 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 and we want to... Uh, we want to matter. We, we want to make a difference in this world. And we're not saying anything is, anything is wrong with that. But if we look at our worthiness and if we look at it and we look at others who are different from you, we often feel superior to them. We're not like that church down the road. We have life in Sarepta. We, we look at the, at the, at the, at the colleague next to us and we think we're not like him. We don't swear. We try and build ourselves up. And what we often do is we criticize because of our own inadequacies, because, because we actually, we're not secure in who we are. And today I want you to know you are loved. You matter. You have significance. You have value, value. You are worthy. And it's not based on performance. Isn't that so cool? It's not based on performance. It's just we are loved. And this is Christianity 101, what I've been saying. But I'm asking the Lord Jesus to give us a fresh, fresh revelation of it. A new understanding of how much we are loved. Because the gospel is the end of your desperate hunt for worthiness. It's the end of your struggle to matter because what? Because you're in Him. If I had a test, if we did a gospel test today and we had a whole lot of questions about what the gospel is and there'd be many answers and many, many thoughts and I'm sure most of you here would get it 100% right. But is it in your heart? It is true that we are all saved by grace and not by works. 
so that we are all equally sinful before God. We are all equally in Christ. Then not only do you not have the right to feel superior to anybody, but you don't even have the need. We don't, I don't even have the need to feel superior. I'm content in who I am in Jesus and I walk in Jesus. And we have to learn to walk, walk in that and to learn that. And so whatever happens, it's like Olivia and Senza. I love you guys. And we walked a journey. And we're going to continue walking a journey till the next train station. But sometimes, you know, you kind of feel, oh, heart, heart sore and that kind, of, that kind of stuff. And I know you people as a congregation, when people move, you kind of, and, and, you, and, you, and you kind of work it out. And I, this, is, this is me. I work it out in my mind and I, I, I say, oh, Lord. And then I go through the machinations. What have I done wrong? And all that stuff. And I feel guilty and condemned. And, 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 and I have to work out. But this is preaching to me. The gospel is for me. It's for you in your circumstance. It might be something different that you're facing today. But face it with joy. Face it with, with the knowledge that, that the, the plans and purposes of God are going to be fulfilled in Gareth's life. It's going to be, it's going to be fulfilled. Not because of Gareth. But because of, because of God's faithfulness. You and I have a king. Rejoice in him. Think about the gospel. Think about the good news. Pray it into your heart. Ask the Lord to, to, to make, it, make it real to you. The last, last little section. Lastly, the power. The gospel is the power for our lives. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Dwells in you and me. It says there in Galatians, it says, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith. By faith in the Son of God who came himself for me. There's a deliberate paradox here. It sounds very strange. He first says, I no longer live, but Christ lives, lives in me. It sounds like he's saying, I don't live. But then he says, the life I now, now live. So what's happening here? Seems very contradictory. But there is a sense in which you go, as you go into Christ, when you become a Christian, you disappear into him. He doesn't see your sin. He sees your beauty in Jesus. Your life is hidden in him. No longer do you look at anything else out there and think you would feel worth, worth, worth more. You suddenly realize I'm in Christ Jesus and my life and my life is worth so much. And so on one hand you're in Christ. And on the other hand, you are living this life. So you are called to be the best Paul that you are called to be. You are called to be the best Amanda that you are called to be. Nobody else is called to be Amanda except Amanda. And God has, God has got gifts and talents and, and He's worked into your life and your heart. You don't have to try and be Kathy. Kathy's not sitting next to you. Usually she sits next to you. You don't have to try. You just be Amanda. You just be Jesus. Let Jesus live in you and let Jesus live out you and be the best Amanda that you can be. That's what we're called to be. God hasn't called us to be robots. He's called us to, to live in life. And so, 
Let the power of Jesus, let the power of the gospel, the indwelling spirit work in our hearts. We need the coin, the penny to drop. You know when you put the money in those, those machines and you get out a, a cool drink or something or whatever, you, whatever you're wanting to buy. And sometimes it doesn't drop and you want to kick the machine and bash the machine. It doesn't drop. I'm hoping that the penny will drop in your life and my life today. I was reading uh, about John Wesley and Charles Wesley and company who were a group of people who were sneeringly called the Methodists back in the 18th century. They were very religious, legalistic, methodical, but they were also really, really unpleasant. Then they began to read Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians and they began reading his practices, his, his preface which you can find online. And one by one, they started to break through from one order to the other. They began to get converted, even though they didn't know they needed it. Methodism became a history-changing, world-changing phenomenon. That's when, they, when we believe the gospel. And that's what I want, to do, I want us to do. And so I would just like, uh, if we can sing Amazing Grace.